Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday the 10th of May 2009, entitled Faithfulness Required, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. To the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll be reading the first five verses. I invite you to stand with me for the honoring of the reading of God's Word taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, which says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment, yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing but myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring the light to the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Father, we thank you this evening again, Lord, for the time that we have already had together. Lord, in joining our hearts together in song and in prayer. Father, now as we look into your word, we just pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, uh, you knew exactly who would be here tonight when you laid this message upon our hearts. You know the needs of each and every heart. So, Father, we pray now that by the power of your Spirit, Lord, that your word would go forth as you would desire under your power, the hearts would be receptive, that you would do the work in each life here this evening that needs to be done. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. When I was a youngster, one of the games that I used to really enjoy playing, which would be one of those foreign things to, uh, uh, to most of our congregation here this evening, but you can't be an American kid, especially a boy, and not play baseball. It's just part of life. And I used to love to play baseball. Of course, there's something very different as far as your cricket and our baseball. And, of course, one of the things I found very interesting about cricket is that, well, when he throws the ball, you can hit that any direction that you want to. It doesn't matter what direction that it goes in. But, of course, with baseball, you've got this diamond. And the ball has to stay within the boundaries of, of that diamond that you're playing within. And boy, you could be up there at bat sometimes, and that, that ball could come in, and you could take that swing and connect. And I mean, you could see that ball just soaring 100 yards, 200 yards, 100 feet, 200 feet, sailing and sailing, going, going, going. You're seeing that home run coming, and then all of a sudden, say, foul ball. It didn't matter if that you'd hit it three or 400 feet. <laughs> the fact was, when it hit the ground, it was outside of the limits. It had to hit inside that boundary for it to, to be of any good. It could look spectacular, and, and I mean, you know, you could have put so much into it, but it didn't matter because it just simply didn't count. And I think a lot of times that I use that illustration to say that that's the way it is in life a lot of times. You know, we get up there and, and we've got the best of intentions and we take our swing and we hit that ball, but so many times it's out of play. <laughs> it's not within the limits of where that it ought to be. 
that can do with our life, whether it comes to our jobs that we work, the earning of the money that we uh, need to make, or uh, the notable deeds that we do that we want to be a blessing and a help to others. There's, there's so many things. But see, according to what the Apostle Paul is saying to us here, it doesn't really matter how hard we hit it. It doesn't matter how good that it looks. Doesn't matter even if it pleases us or anybody else. All that really matters is, does it please God? And that's what it comes down to in our lives. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the things that make us feel good or that make others feel good about us. But it's very interesting as we look here in this passage because the Apostle Paul begins by saying, let a man so account of us. Of course, remember, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church here. He's writing to other Christians. He's saying, let a man so account us. What do they see in us? What do they consider us? He says, as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, that word there, ministers, is the same word that sometimes is also translated servants. It's not talking about just a preacher behind the pulpit. It's talking about how we serve and minister to others' needs. Let others, you know, when, when they look at us and they try to see what we are, let them know that we are ministers or servants of Christ. That's what we want them to see us being. Not whether or not that we've got the position or the title or what it looks like in the world's eyes. He says, and stewards of the mysteries of God. And we've talked about that word mysteries that we find there before, literally those hidden things of God. When people look at us, let them consider, he says, us to be servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of Christ, those things of God. You know, we were talking even with some here this morning. They were talking about some of their opportunities of witnessing this past week. And it's interesting how God opens those doors a lot of times. And, of course, as we were looking this morning with this idea of contending for the faith, and that part of that is exposing the errors, one of the things that, that was brought to my attention by one was, you know, that, that literally even in this past week, that God had given him opportunity on two accounts to talk with people that had some great error in their life. He believed that they were truly Christians, that they were truly ch children of God, and yet they certainly didn't want to hear what he had to say about these things that were wrong doctrinally. Well, the truth is, is that when people look at us, you know, many times there are going to be a lot of unanswered questions out there. But when they look at us, do they see servants and stewards of the Lord Jesus Christ, somebody that can maybe unlock some of those hidden things of God that they don't understand. Notice he says in verse 2, he says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So it's one thing for them to see us. That's our desire, that they would see us as servants and stewards of the things of God. But it's important that if they see us as such, that they see us as faithful stewards. It is, what's the next word in our Bibles? Required. 
It's not optional. It is required that in stewards a man be found faithful. Now, we're going to come back to that thought in a minute. But I want you to notice the next point he makes in these next three verses here. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. What's he saying? He says, it's of little of no consequence, really, whether you think that what I'm doing is the right thing or not. He says, it's not really how men see me in their eyes. Now, I want you to keep that in mind because that's so important this evening. He said, for I know nothing by myself. Yet I am not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. You know, the only justification that we have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the end, it's only what he matters. We've got this text that we have hanging up on the side of our church all the time. Who should lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. He says, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. You see, the Bible teaches us in other places, and we're not going to focus there this evening, but everything that we do, everything that we do in this life, whether it be good or whether it be bad, one day it will be tried as by fire. Some of it is just going to be burned up because it's worthless. That which hasn't been done for his glory, that that's done for my glory, that that's done as we have looked in some weeks passing in the, in the prayer meeting, that that is done for other men's approval and praise, that is done in a way just to get the pat on the back so that somebody else can think that we're spiritual. Somebody else can think how, how great a Christian that we are. The truth is, he's saying here, it's important that people see us as ministers, as servants, if you would, and stewards of Christ, of his mysteries. It's important, but it's important that they see us as such, that they find us faithful. What does it mean to be a faithful steward? He said this is something that is required of us. It's important how people see us, but it's important that if this responsibility has been given to us, that they see us as being faithful. I'm sure that most of you here, whether or not that you have actually seen it, we, we showed a video here some, I don't know, a few years back now uh, to the young people I know. I can't remember how many of the uh, adults may or may not have seen it. But most of you immediately, if I mention the state of Colorado, and if I mention the name of Columbine High School, most of you suddenly will have heard of Columbine High School. You'll relate something that, that took place there. And, of course, one of those things that comes to mind is a massacre. <laughs> Many young people lost their lives there. But there was one name that stands out that, uh, that we talk about. Yes, these young men became... I guess rather than famous, came infamous for the acts that uh, uh, they did there that day. But how many of you remember the testimony of the young lady called Cassie? Because you see, the thing that was different about Cassie, I think that when we ask ourselves this question, what is faithfulness? What is faithfulness? You see, it only took one word 
one word from that young lady to show her faithfulness because she was asked point blank, Jim. <laughs> she was asked point blank with a gun pointed at her, you know, if she believed in God. She was a Christian. It just took a yes or a no. What would we do in a case like that? What would any of us do in a case like that? And, of course, the simple truth was that when she said yes, he just pulled the trigger, and her life was gone from this. But, you know, it never really cost her her life. And I'm saying that how do we describe faithfulness? It's amazing sometimes because the problem is most of the time, most of the time when we think of faithfulness, we do exactly what the Apostle Paul is pointing here when he says, it doesn't really matter how I compare to you, what you think. What really matters is what the Lord is going to say one day. And the truth is, when we compare faithfulness, one of the things that we would most commonly do is try to consider ourselves against old so-and-so. I'm a pretty faithful Christian compared to so-and-so, compared to so-and-so, we can always look around and find somebody that's less faithful. And it kind of makes us feel better because we're not so bad, and we don't, we don't want to be bad, do we? <laughs> but the truth is, is that it doesn't really matter how we compare with anyone else. You see, one of the things that the Apostle Paul is making clear, which we have to realize, do you realize that God has never required of you that you do what anybody else, any other Christian in history, any other Christian that's living right now, God has never required of any of his children that they do what somebody else did. We're required to be faithful as stewards, as what God has entrusted us with individually. And you know, in one way, we realize the great privilege that God's giving us. We realize the awesome responsibility that, that goes along with that. But we realize God's not expecting me to measure up with anybody else. What has God given me? You know, what does he want me to be faithful in? He's not asking you to be faithful in what he's given somebody else to be responsible for. He's asking you to be a good steward of what he's given you. He wants people to look at your life and know that you're a servant of his. To know that you're a, a steward of the things of God. And in the end, it's what God thinks is all that really matters. Faithfulness. You know, how does our faithfulness, how does it match up in God's eyes? How does it weigh up on his scales, not, not man's? You know, so many times we, we might think, and I, and I used the illustration here one time, I know in, in speaking on this subject when, you know, if we had a hot water heater and we went in to, to turn on the shower and take a shower, man, that, that hot water heater, it, it would sit there and boy, it would just work and it would work and it would work and it would work. Six days out of seven. <laughs> and it would, it would always blink out when you were the one that was under the shower. <laughs> now, how dependable, how faithful do you think you would consider that? I mean, it's working absolutely perfect. Six days and 23 and a half hours out of the week. <laughs> but that half hour that you're in there taking your shower, it don't work. How faithful would you think that it was? Most of us here this evening, 
hopefully there's somebody in this world that you can count as a friend. <laughs> you know, how faithful would we consider a friend? If they're there and everything, everything is just all smiles and everything is great, as long as everything's going smooth. But the first time that you really had a struggle, the first time you really needed somebody to call on, I mean, just somebody to talk to, just, just somebody that would listen, somebody that really cared, they didn't have time for you. How faithful would you consider that friend to be? What about? You know, I guess one of the things that most of us as human beings would think of when we think of faithfulness is that relationship between a husband and a wife. How faithful would you consider your spouse to be if they were faithful 364 and a half days out of the year, but they just had that one half day a year that, that they weren't faithful to you? Would you call them faithful or not faithful? You see, the thing is, we have to ask ourselves, you know, God is saying that it is required that we be found faithful. What is it that we need to be faithful in? You see, I'm convinced that this ingredient that we're talking about right here, this simple ingredient of faithfulness, is one of the things in our lives that can make the difference in whether our life really counts for anything or not. <laughs> whether we are faithful servants and stewards of the Most High God. It can make a difference. We find that if we ask ourselves, faithful in what? The simple answer would just simply to be, I think, if we take the mysteries that he's talking about here, faithful in everything that concerns him. Not just most of the time. Not just in comparison to somebody else. But when we stand before God one day, I want to give you just five things here that I think that if you're faithful in these things, it can change your life. First of all, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. And in John, chapter 1, very familiar reading, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. And notice what he says next, that all men through him might believe. You see, this is just one place in the beginning that's talking about the fact of the Lord Jesus Christ coming to this world that, you know, <laughs> He didn't just begin to exist. He's always been there. God had a plan. But he, he sent this one that was, that was called John. But he came to be a witness of another one, another one that was the light. Why? Because it was only through that that all men through him, through Jesus Christ, might believe. Of course, we can turn just a couple of pages over in your Bible in John chapter 3. Notice it says in verse 16, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, the first and most important thing in all the world that you need to be faithful in this evening is in your conversion. Is in your conversion. That's what it's all about. That's the crux of everything. If a person has never experienced a second birth, then he's not been faithful in believing. In believing. There is no greater truth that's laid down in the book in these mysteries that is before us than that Jesus Christ came to die on that cross to shed his blood, that he rose the third day so that you could be saved. That's what it's all for. That's what it's about. He wants to give you life this evening. You find that... There's no point. Everything else is a waste. If there's any question about that whatsoever, I mean, can we imagine if we got everything else right, if we were faithful in everything else that we did, but we missed that one thing? It's all worthless. It's all for nothing. You can't do enough religious deeds. You can't do enough Christian things. I'm saying to you this evening that every person whose life is going to count and most of all that is going to count for God is going to first of all come to Christ through salvation. There is no other way. It's required that we be faithful. And folks, that's where it's got to begin. Now we've said before, we said this morning, and again, I won't spend a lot of time there this evening. Folks, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We could look at many passages. There is no other way. There is nothing else that can be done. Either you humble yourself before him as a sinner. You seek that forgiveness. You cry out for mercy solely based upon his grace, upon what Jesus Christ did. Nobody can do that for you. And there is absolutely no other way in all the world that you can never become a child of God. It's Jesus Christ, and it's Him alone. Faithful, faithful in our conversion. No, this evening. No, I mean, there is no room for any shadow of a doubt. There is no room for any question whatsoever. Why? Why would you want to risk another day without knowing, having that absolute certainty that you belong to Him but notice something else. In Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, he says to us in verse 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You see, we not only need to be faithful in our commitment, but we need to be faith, I mean, in our conversion, but faithful in our commitment also. Notice in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 34, 
But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Wow. What's the greatest commandment? What do we have to do? We have to be committed to him first and foremost. Jesus Christ has got to be first in our lives. We've got to be faithful in our commitment to him. You see, again, one of the very first things that he asks of us when we become a child of God is that first step of obedience, which we call baptism. That first step of obedience to show our commitment to before the world to say, I'm on his side. I'm committed to him. And I'm saying to you this evening that if you've never taken that first step of obedience, then there's only one other thing. You're either obedient or you're disobedient. There is no in-between. It's commanded that we take that first step. That's the first show of commitment that we're required to make in our Christian lives after we come to put our faith and trust in Him. But then He's telling us that it's our reasonable service to give Him ourselves, all of us. He's telling us that the greatest commandment is that we love Him with all our heart and soul and mind. And then we love others. You see, the truth is, children, you're not going to love your parents less because you put God first. <laughs> you can only love them better. Husbands, wives, you're not going to love each other less because God is first in your life. You'll only be able to love the other one more perfectly than you ever could without him. There is no room. Either he has first place. Doesn't matter if he's got second. Doesn't matter if there's only one other thing that's more important to you in life than he is. He says it's required that you be faithful in your commitment, that you love him first and foremost above everything else, above everyone else. You see, that's not going to take away from us. That's only going to help us if he's truly number one. It's going to help us to be better husbands, better wives, better parents, better children, better friends. Nothing else. Nothing else in all the world. We've got to be faithful in our commitment to him. You know, we were talking this afternoon, got all these weddings coming up this year. <laughs> I think it was Panos and I that were talking, that we're talking about, you know, in the marriage ceremony that it's amazing that of all the pictures that God could have used, he uses this picture of marriage, of two becoming one, when he speaks of us as his bride and him 
as the groom. No longer two, but one. And the truth is, is that, you know, <laughs> I've got a feeling. Uh, I, I've, I've had the privilege of doing a fair number of, of weddings in my years in the ministry, and I've never yet had anybody to make that vow of commitment to the other one and stand there and scratch their head and, and say, uh, I'm, I think so. <laughs> Maybe, if it's not too hard. You see, they stand there and they make a commitment. I will. I do. It's a commitment that's meant for all of eternity. I'm saying the greatest commitment, we've got to be faithful. It is required that we be found faithful in our conversion, in our commitment to Him. God truly must be number one in our lives. He must have first place. There is no other place for Him. Third, faithful in our choices. Notice there in Romans chapter 12, he goes on in the next verse, in verse 2 of that chapter, he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, notice what he says in verse 14. He says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? You see, people try, but it doesn't make any sense. And it definitely doesn't work. We have to make so many choices in life. And some of these choices are things that will affect us forever. You know, some of you are still studying in school. You know, there comes a point when you've got to make some choices. What do I want to do with my life? <laughs> what do I want to do the rest of my life? How can I prepare for that? Because it becomes a very, very important thing. You stop and think. That choice whether you're going to go to university or whether you're not, whether you're going to study this or that or something else can affect all of the rest of your life. And, of course, it's usually along that same time when a lot of that studying and preparing is taking place, many times that that somebody special comes along. You've got to make a choice. And God didn't mean for it to be a choice. Well, you know, we could try this and see if it'll work. <laughs> If it doesn't, nothing lost. We'll find somebody else. No, as far as God is concerned, it's one man, one woman, forever. You see, the truth is, you need to make the right choice the first time. <laughs> Not just hope that you get it right and have a, make another choice down the line and another one down the line. The Bible tells us that in our Christian life, not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And he gives us a couple of illustrations as to why that makes sense. You know, the truth is, light and darkness can't dwell in the same place together. <laughs> have you ever seen the darkness overcome? Have, have you ever turned on the light, but the darkness put the light out? <laughs> it can't happen. The truth is, is that we need to be faithful in our choices, Brother Steve. 
We need God's direction in every choice. He tells us not to be like this world. He doesn't want us to be conformed to this world, to be made in its image and what it expects of us and what it wants of us, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You see, we've got something that this world can't give us. We've got God, and He's living within us. There is no choice that you make in life that's not important to Him. We need to be faithful in every choice that we make. When we're making these decisions in life, we need to be faithful that we're following His will. Can I give you a simple illustration? I've seen people before that decided that they were going to move off to another town because that they had a, a better job offer. And they wanted to go there for the job purposes, and everything's all decided and everything's made up. They've never even looked, decided, thought about what they might find there as far as a local church. <laughs> they may or may not find a place to worship. That's not really come into the picture. <laughs> oh, they'll find something. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. <laughs> if God is the one that's taking you there, instead of just going for worldly reasons, then God is not going to put you somewhere that you're going to be out of fellowship. The truth is, we need to be faithful in our conversion. We need to be faithful in our commitment. Brother Jim, we need to be faithful in our choices. That we're not just making our choices for what I want, for what I think is right, for what tradition expects of me, what anybody else expects of me, what does God want to do with my life? What does God want me to do? Because what does God want me, what does he want to do with me? You know, what's more important in this world than that? The truth is, is that God will give you that direction, but we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful when we go to make those choices, not making them within our flesh, but within his wisdom, and his power. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Word of God says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Faithful in conversion, commitment, choices. Fourthly, we need to be faithful in our conduct. <laughs> Do you notice what that he what that he says to us there? Whatsoever you do, in word or deed, whatsoever you do, whether it's what you're speaking or what you're doing, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I mean, the simple fact is when it comes down to the lives that we're living, he's saying that in everything that we do, we ought to be able to do it in his name. You know, would Jesus Christ be pleased with this or wouldn't he? You know, is, is, is my life an example? Anybody here set the perfect example? <laughs> Well, I'd like to just get close one time. <laughs> just, just, just like to see so much of Jesus that I didn't see me at all. 
You see, we've got a tremendous goal, though. We ought to be faithful in, in trying to be in everything that we do, that we do something that we could proudly do in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, would Jesus go to that place? Would Jesus act this way? Is this what Jesus would do if he were in my place? It's not what's somebody else going to think. What are they going to think of me if I do this? Or what are they going to think of me if I don't do this? I'm saying it's required that we be faithful as servants and stewards of his in what God's given us. It's required that we be faithful in our conversion, in our commitment. It's required that we be faithful in our choices and in our conduct. And it's required, finally, that we be faithful in our communication. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. First Peter chapter 3 and in verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. He says, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Oh, we could look many places this evening that the Bible has to do with our communication. But I'm using this simple one to get the point across this evening. Always, always be ready to give an answer for our Christian faith. We, we need to be faithful in our communication. We need to be faithful as witnesses for Him in communicating the gospel to others. We need to be faithful in being witnessed so many times, I know. It's easier because you know that they don't want to hear what you've got to say. You know before you say it. They don't want to hear it. I might offend them. You know, you know, the Bible nowhere, anywhere tells us to go around upsetting people for the sake of it. Matter of fact, when he talks to us here, you notice he says, with meekness, You know, we can be respectful in the way that we speak to others. We've been talking about this, as I mentioned, even in our Sunday morning series on contending for the faith, speaking the truth in love. We're not out there trying to claim that we've got all the answers and trying to show how we're so much smarter than everybody else. We're talking here about being servants and stewards of the Most High God. We're talking about here... What do others, do they see us, our lives? Do they recognize by our lives that we're a servant of His, of the mysteries of God that He's left with us, that we're a steward of His? You see, a steward is one that is taking care of that which the Master has left him in, in, in charge of. It's not ours. It's all His. How are we managing his affairs. What is our life all about? It can be. A, it can get so tangled up, and it can be about so many different things. 
But we need to be faithful this evening. He's required that we be faithful. The truth is, is, you know, it's, it's not contradictory when he's saying on the one hand that when others see us, do they see us as a representative of the Lord? <laughs> do they see us as serving him? You see, he's the master. He's the one it all belongs to. I'm just serving him. I'm the steward. He's left me responsible for certain things in his household, and it's required that I be faithful over that which he's left me with, but it all belongs to him. That doesn't contradict what he goes on later and says it makes little difference really what you think of me. <laughs> it's what God thinks of me. You see, He's saying that his life is going to be lived in such a way, and so should ours, that when others look at us, they know who we're serving. They know what it is that we're managing in our lives. In essence, when it comes back to the fact that it's really all him and it all belongs to him, there is no contradiction there. It's not how men judge us. It's not how we judge ourselves against others. It's how God judges us in our faithfulness. We could look at many things, but this evening, this evening, do you know, please, with any shadow of a doubt, do you know that you've been faithful in your conversion, that you've done it God's way? You see, that's what he came for, <laughs> He came that you might be saved and that you might know it. Yes, the devil's going to fight. But you can know with absolute certainty because God said it, regardless of what the devil says. And you need to know that in your life. You're never going to have joy. You're never going to have peace if you don't have that nailed down, if you don't know it with certainty. Faithful in your conversion. Faithful in your commitment, is he really number one in your life above everything else? Is it more important? Do you really go to him to find out what he wants? Or is it so easy just to think about what I want? Are we committed to him? Are we faithful in our choices? We make choices every day of our life. Are we concerned about God's will? God, what do you want to do with my life? Are we faithful in our conduct? Faithful in our conduct. Not being conformed to the image of this world and fitting in with the crowd. Being transformed. <laughs> Him doing a work. Are we faithful in our communications? In our communication. Always ready to give an answer. Always being a witness. Never ashamed to stand up for our Lord. You see... I don't want to, I guess, cover the same thing over and over and over again, but I can never tell you too many times that there is no greater purpose in your life right now that you have. However many heartbeats you've got left, however many breaths you've got remaining, there is nothing more important with your life and what's done with it than that which will magnify Him, bring glory to Him, that will be a witness for Him. 
That's the only thing in your life. It's only when Jesus Christ is seen through you. I don't care how close a friend they are, how much you love your family. There is nothing else in the world that can affect and change their lives like Jesus can. That doesn't mean we don't love them in other things in other ways. But there's nothing more important than Jesus Christ being seen in our lives and all that we do. Are we faithful? Really? Like the hot water heater? Are we faithful? 364 and a half. I'm saying it's required that we be found faithful. And that's all I'm challenging you with this evening and encouraging this evening because, folks, that's when your life can really count for something. Devil's the one that wants to get us off track. Your life can be something special. It can count for the Lord Jesus Christ this evening, but it's required. It's required that we be found faithful. We're going to sing for our closing hymn this evening, number 309 in your alders, and it really just asks us a question, and this is what I would ask you this evening. The hymn writer says, is your all on the altar? Have you longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed? But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Just before we sing this this evening, every head bowed and every eye closed. No one, no one looking around, please. So one here this evening. Preacher, I would really appreciate your prayers because... First of all, in this faithfulness of conversion, I don't have that 100% absolute assurance. And I'd really appreciate your prayers this evening. No one looking, please. Nobody to be embarrassed. I just want to pray for you. Are you here? Is there an inkling of a doubt somewhere? You don't know with absolute certainty that if you face God with your next heartbeat, that you'd be ready. Would you slip your hand up just, just long enough for me to see it, just long enough to pray for you? Anyone? Anywhere? Maybe you're here, and you know that you're saved. But maybe even in this simple sermon this evening, God has spoken to your heart and said, Preacher, pray for me because I really want to be more faithful. I really want to be more faithful. My conversion, I'm sure about. But I want to be more faithful in my commitment, my choices, my conduct, my communication. Would you pray for me that I can be found faithful as a servant and steward? God bless these hands. God sees your hands. God knows your heart most of all. Father, you've seen the hands and you know the hearts of each one here this evening. And Lord, it's not a time that we're desiring or trying to play on emotions. But if you've spoken through these verses, if you've spoken to these hearts, and Lord, I pray that, Lord, it wouldn't be just something that goes in one ear and out the other, but I pray they might find a resting place in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you might truly help us in each one of these that have raised their hand this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to be able to be faithful, faithful servants, faithful stewards, Lord, of, of their life that you've given them, not anybody else's, but that in all that they do, that you could be pleased, that you could be glorified in it because it's you that they're serving and it's you that they're stewards for. 
And Father, I pray that you would help us all as individuals and as a church, that, Lord, through this, that Christ might be seen more in all of our lives. Use us, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 